Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the countenance of the Lord as we pick up in Numbers chapter 6, verse 26. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Just like my grandson. The other day they were coming home from Central California and they came through a tremendous electrical storm. Lightning all over the place. And he was just sitting there in the back seat, just enjoying it thoroughly. And as they were driving down the road, he went to sleep. And when he woke up, he said, I had a dream that Jesus was up in heaven pulling switches. And every time he'd pull a switch, the lightning would flash and all. And he said there was this little rabbit hopping along the road and Jesus pulled a switch and the lightning electrocuted him. (laughs) And his mother said to him, Oh, William, that's awful. And he said, Well, maybe he didn't know the lightning was going to hit him. (laughs) And Chuck Jr. said, William, Jesus knows everything. He said, well, I guess he just wanted to zap the rabbit. (laughs) But it's amazing what our imaginations can do. They can run wild. And so often we imagine God scowling at us. God is angry with me. God is frowning at me. But God said, this is how I want you to put my name on the people. Tell them, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Oh, how glorious the smile of approval. What peace is in my heart as I with open face behold the glory of the Lord. and See that bright shining face and realize that God is smiling at me because he loves me and I am his son and I am in Christ Jesus and in him I have experienced the grace of God, the peace of God, and the keeping power of God. These are the blessings that belong to the children of God who are in Christ Jesus. But the whole Old Testament economy, the priesthood, the tabernacle, all testify of how unapproachable God is by man. You cannot approach God directly. You pull a switch and you get zapped. (laughs) Thus, if you want to approach God apart from Jesus Christ, There's no way. There's not even a priesthood anymore. There's not even sacrifices being offered. There's no one to go before God for you. This is the thing that troubles me most about the so-called devout Jew today. I don't care how devout they are in their worship. What are they doing about their sin? How can they approach their God? 
God established the covenant whereby man could approach him in the Old Testament. But that covenant that God established was by the law and by the sacrifices of the law. And without any sacrifice, without any priest, without someone to go before God for them, how can they dare come before their holy, righteous God, bringing their good works and expect to be accepted? They're not even honoring the covenant that God made with their own people. And thus, no matter how sincere or devout they may be, they have no approach to God until they reestablish that old covenant. But even then, they will not find that it will avail now that God has abolished the old covenant that he might establish the new covenant through Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is the mediator of the new covenant. For it is necessary that in the approach of God there be a mediator. The priest was a mediator of the old covenant. Jesus Christ has become the mediator of the new covenant. And it is through Jesus Christ that I approach God and that God approaches me. It is through Jesus Christ that I come into fellowship with God and I come to know God. And thus, Jesus Christ is very important to anyone who seeks to approach God. Now, in chapter 7, we find that the 12 princes of the tribes of Israel brought in their offerings to the Lord. And in verse 3, we read, They brought six covered wagons and 12 oxen, and a wagon for two of the princes. In other words, two, every two princes brought one wagon and an ox from each, and they brought them to the tabernacle. And they were to be given to the tribe of Levi, the families, in order to help them as they carried some of the curtains and all that went with the tabernacle. And so two wagons and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershon. Four wagons and eight oxen they gave to the sons of Merari, according to the service that they did. But the sons of Kohath, who carried the Ark of the Covenant and all, they did not use wagons. They were carried on those golden staves. And so they were to be borne upon their shoulders. They did not get any wagons. Now, each of the princes then came forth and they brought their offering of one silver charger. The weight of it was 130 shekels and one silver bowl of 70 shekels after the shekel of the sanctuary. Both of them were full of fine flour mingled with oil for a meal offering and one spoon of 10 shekels of gold full of incense one young bullock, one ram, one lamb the first year for a burnt offering, one kid of the goats for a sin offering, and for a sacrifice of peace offerings, two oxen, five rams, five goats, five lambs of the first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Aminadab. And each of the princes brought the identical same offering, and so it would only be redundant if we read each of them in the seventh chapter but each of them brought the same offering to the Lord, and it was given unto the Lord. 
This was for the dedication of the altar in the day that it was anointed, the princes of Israel brought these offerings unto the Lord, and they are summed up, beginning with verse 84, to the end of the chapter. And in verse 89, when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, then he heard the voice of one speaking unto him from off the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Covenant between the two cherubims, and there God spoke to Moses. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, and say unto him, When you light the lamps, the seven lamps that shall give light, there in the candlestick, and so Aaron lighted the lamps of the candlesticks. And then there was to be the cleansing of the Levites, and they were to be sprinkled with the water of purifying, and to wash their clothes and make themselves clean. And they were to bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall put their hands upon the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord for an offering of the children of Israel that they may execute the service of the Lord. So this is sort of almost an ordaining for the ministry. Like in the New Testament, they would lay hands upon those that were going to minister. Acts 13, chapter. And the Spirit said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the ministry where I have called them. And so when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and the Spirit sent them forth. It's sort of a ordaining kind of a process, the laying on of hands. And so the tribe of Levi was to be brought before the tabernacle, and then the congregation of Israel gathered around them and laid their hands on them. These men are to minister for us in spiritual things. And then those of the tribe of Levi shall lay their hands on the heads of the bullocks, and they were to offer one for a sin offering and one for an offering of consecration to the Lord to make the atonement for the Levites. And thus they were to begin their ministry and service unto God for the people. Verse 24, this is that which belongs to the Levites from 25 years old and upwards who will go in and wait on the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. But at 50 years they retire and uh, there is no longer a service, but they will minister with their brothers in the tabernacle of the congregation to keep the charge, but you don't have to carry any burdens after you're 50 years old. In chapter 9, the Lord, in the second year, after they were come out of the land of Egypt, there were certain men who came to Moses, and they said, when you kept the Passover, we were unclean. That is, they had touched a dead body or something, and thus on the 14th day they weren't able to observe the Passover. And so they came to Moses with this problem. That day we were ceremonially unclean. We couldn't participate. What shall we do? So Moses said, well, let's wait and inquire of the Lord. So Moses went in before the Lord and said, Lord, uh, what shall we do about these fellows? And the Lord said, that if they were ceremonially unclean and could not observe the Passover in the 14th day of the first month, or if they were out of the country, then they could observe it in the 14th day of the second month. But if you were not ceremonially unclean or you weren't away, 
then there was no excuse for not observing it the 14th day of the first month. And if you failed to observe it, then you were to be cut off from the camp of Israel. In other words, it was a requirement for every adult male to observe the Passover on the 14th day of the first month unless there be the extraneous causes which would then give you the privilege or permission to observe it the 14th day of the second month. But by all means, you were to observe it every year. And so God gave the special orders concerning those men. Now, beginning with verse 15, we read how the camp moved along. And on the day that the tabernacle was raised up, the cloud covered the tabernacle, namely the tent of the testimony. And at evening there was upon the tabernacle the appearance of fire until the morning. And so it was always. The cloud covered it by day, and there was the appearance of fire by night. And when the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle... Then after that, the children of Israel journeyed. And in the place where the cloud rested, there the children of Israel pitched their tents. At the commandment of the Lord, the children of Israel journeyed. At the commandment of the Lord, they pitched. As long as the cloud rested on the tabernacle, they rested in their tents. If the cloud stayed there for a long time on the tabernacle for many days, the children of Israel just kept the charge of the Lord and they did not journey. And so it was when the cloud was there for a few days, the tabernacle according to the commandment of the Lord, they stayed in their tents according to the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. In other words, God was in direct control when they moved, when they stayed. They were obedient unto the Lord. God was in charge of their movements completely. Whether it was two days, verse 22, or a month or a year that the cloud tarried on the tabernacle, Remaining thereon on the children of Israel, they stayed in their tents and they journeyed not. But when it was taken up, they journeyed. And at the commandment of the Lord, they rested. At the commandment of the Lord, they journeyed. They kept the charge of the Lord. Then in chapter 10, he was ordered to make two silver trumpets. And these silver trumpets were to be used for calling an assembly of the people together or they were to be used at the time of battle in sounding the alarm. And if they had sounded uh, one alarm, then the camp that were on the east part were to go forward into battle. If they sounded two alarms, then also the camp on the south side was to go in to battle. And so these trumpets were to be used to help direct the people. Naturally, when you've got, what, over a half a million adult males out there, plus all the women and children, and you, and you don't have any real communication system, they don't have radios or transistors or whatever, you've got to keep the camp in order. And if you're attacked, you could be attacked over here on the east side and people on the west side wouldn't even know what's going on. So even as in the years of, of warfare up until modern communication, the bugle was blown to instruct the troops for various things and is even still practiced today in many of our army camps. When we were over in Hawaii, uh, we were on some of the military bases there and we'd hear the 
bugle blowing to call the guys to the mess at lunchtime and we would hear the various bugles and and the fellows responding to the sound of the bugles and that was basically what it was all about they would sound assembly or they would sound the alarm for an attack or the various things and thus they had the various signals that would be blown by the trumpets and of course that is why we read in, in the return of Jesus Christ, the trump of God. It's, it, the trump of God is going to sound an assembly for all of the children of God. And, and what a glorious, <laughs> I can hardly wait to hear that trumpet blow. And I don't know what the melody will be, but I'll tell you, I'll recognize it the minute I hear it. And, and I'll know that it's, you know, the Lord is calling an assembly of His children, calling us home to be with Him. And uh, thus we are awaiting, really, God's call of assembly for the church. Now the trumpets were also to sound at the beginning of their Sabbath days and the holy days, the solemn days, the beginning of their month, the, the blowing of the trumpets over the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and so forth, a memorial unto your God, for I am Jehovah your God. Now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken up from off the tabernacle, and the children of Israel took their journey in the wilderness of Sinai, and the cloud rested in the wilderness of Paran. So now God is beginning now. The tabernacle is set up. The whole thing is working. So now God is beginning to move them towards the land that He has promised. So the cloud was lifted up, and it moved now from the wilderness area of Mount Sinai, and it is now moving to the promised land or towards the promised land and leading them into this area of Paran. And so the, the Levites all went in. They dismantled, of course, the, the tabernacle and Aaron's sons covered everything. Now it's sort of a dress rehearsal. They've been taught what to do, and now they're doing it as, as the cloud begins to move, and the Kohathites move in, and they take their load. The Gershonites come in, the Merorites, and, and we're moving. We're on the way. Excitement. God is now moving us. Now, Moses said to his father-in-law, Hobab, the son of Raguel, the Mennonite, Moses' father-in-law, we're journeying to the place which the Lord said he was going to give to us. Come with us and we will do thee good. For the Lord has spoken concerning Israel. But he said unto Moses, I'll not go, but I'll depart back to my own land and to my own family. Now, his area was there near Mount Sinai. And rather than journeying towards the promised land, he just wanted to go back to his own home and family. And Moses said, Leave us not, I pray thee, for as much as you have knowledge how we are to encamp in the wilderness, that you may be to us instead of eyes. In other words, this fellow was really a man of the desert. He was able to track in the desert. He was able to tell them where the water was. And, and he had that desert savvy, that desert knowledge. And so Moses was really desiring the guy to stick with him because uh, he really had all that desert savvy. And, and you can be as eyes for us and all. And Moses was asking the fellow to remain with him. And it shall be that if you go with us, that whatever goodness the Lord gives to us, we're going to share with you. And they departed from the mount of the Lord for three days' journey, 
And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them for three days' journey to search out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was upon them by day, and when they went out of the camp, and it came to pass when the ark set forward that Moses said, Rise up, Lord, and let thine enemies be scattered, and let them that hate thee flee before thee. And when it rested, he said, Return, O Lord, unto the many thousands of Israel. So that was beautiful. Whenever the cloud would rise up, he'd say, Rise up, O Lord, move on, and let your enemies flee before you. And when the cloud would settle, he'd say, All right, Lord, rest among your people, you know among the thousands of Israel. And so now God is beginning to move them toward the land of promise. And we've got some many exciting adventures in the book of Numbers as we move ahead. I really like the book of Numbers. The first part is a little redundant in some of the numberings and all, but now we're starting to get into some pretty exciting experiences as God begins to lead them toward the land that he had promised unto their fathers. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Numbers on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Numbers 6 through 10 when visiting thewordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and guide you through the week. Even as he led the children of Israel and they were obedient to the charge of the Lord and moved when he said to move and rested when he said to rest, so may God make us sensitive to the leading of his Holy Spirit. When We may know when to move and when to rest at the commandment of the Lord. And thus may we walk in fellowship with him and may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I feel we are so close to the end. I have never seen so many signs that point to the end. 
Our country is in the worst mess it's ever been in. I said to Chuck, what can we do? Our life is given to the ministry, to the salvation of souls and the walk of Christians, and yet we can't seem to make a dent. Chuck, do you think it's because the Lord is coming soon? And maybe there's going to be one last revival. Hey, ladies, I would like to highly encourage you to pick up a copy of Kay Smith's new book, Colossians, the most recent addition to her Bible study series. Like the believers in Paul's day, today we live in the midst of cultural craziness, and we too are vulnerable to the quick fix solutions of world philosophers and religious legalists. Let Kay guide you through the book of Colossians to understand how the Lord wants you to live in these last days, to love your family, and to revive our nation. To order a copy for yourselves or a friend, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673. Or to see a sneak preview, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.